Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the flagship. Thank me, thank me, thank me. Oh, Colin, uh, thank me for being here. It's uh, it's your pleasure for having me. Uh, uh, You should really appreciate it. Uh, Thank you for being. I I do. I appreciate it. Uh, For anybody who may not know, that's the voice of Felix, not the voice of Austin. Austin is out today. And I am graciously joined by Felix, and Matt is also here too, sitting sitting quiet, didn't talk over me. Um, There's nothing gracious hey about my presence here. I'm like I'm like that to be known for. Can we talk about the League of Record? What are we talking about? Can why does not why does my Mike Valerie not understand that there are two? There's an NFL side and a college side, and he's always talking about my college side team. For, Nicholas Ian Allen and Shane, they took all the college fantasy players in like the first three rounds. So it didn't even make any sense to draft with them. My NFL team, meanwhile, is three and one, is well, dominating this week. He's going to win Mike's, again. So take that, Mike Ballard. You know why Mike's ignoring the NFL side? It's because he's 0 and 4. He's trash. By far the least amount of points scored. So trash. That's, that's why, why he's ignoring the NFL side. He's got to hang his hat on something. Colin, get a, get a hold of, get control of your show, Colin. I mean, Let's go. And and in in fairness to Felix too here, because I know Mike's gonna listen to this. Like you're giving Felix crap for being two and four. Your boy here is zero and six. Like I've not even gotten a win yet on the college <laughs> side. So I mean, it's not like Felix is even in last place. He's in second to last place. Although that Felix was the overwhelming favorite, I think, to finish in last on the college side. If I remember pre preseason, he had the most. Well, uh, it doesn't look like that's it, gonna happen. Currently. When Nicholas Ian Allen took. Austin Reed and Malachi Corley at the two, three turn. Like it just is like, well, I mean, that's nobody's going to He's He's got the college side. So, I mean, he, the, the, the CFF value went very early in that league and it did not make sense to even really, what am I to do? Going to take Rasheen Ali in the second round? No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to, what am I going to, I'm going to take Tory Horton at the one twelve so I can compete with Nicholas Ian Allen. No, I'll I give mean, him the college side. I went Debbie heavy. In fairness, Nixon eighth place right now three at three and three. He's he not is, he, he's not even he's near in, the top score. He's in team. second on the on the NFL side, which is that's yeah. the the mind blowing thing to me. Although Felix has scored the least amount of points by about a hundred, <laughs> but whatever. I'm sitting it's, here being mocked. It's actually it's pretty fine. embarrassing when you look at everybody's points scored. You guys are all fairly close except for two teams, and that'd be Felix and myself, who have yet to break <laughs> 1,200 points. I wasn't trying. I, I have I'm not, not saying you were. I'm just, it's, it's just more embarrassing. I don't know that I was trying to win the college side, but it's even more embarrassing that I'm sitting at 0-6 with not even 1,200 points scored, and you've at least got two wins. What are we talking about today? Are we going to talk about Quinn Ewers <laughs> and Kyle McCord? Those are my two favorite topics out there. I, I don't have Kyle McCord on the show. We're going to talk about Kyle McCord can, looking like Casey Thompson out there, like putting everything into and like barely getting the ball 49 yards or underthrowing Marvin Harrison Jr. Are we going to get into that? I'm so just is he, he quickly be becoming your favorite player since, you know, he was your no, this is my favorite, favorite jump is to talk about. <laughs> I mean, Devin Brown would have hit Marvin Harrison Jr. in stride. That's all I'm saying. Well, is, that on the, is it on the show so sheet or not? Colin, Colin, get a hold of your damn show, Colin. Uh, Kyle McCord is not on the show sheet here, but we will be talking a little Quinn Ewers, a little week five recap. And then we're going to talk a little bit about some second half risers, players we think are going to break out in the second half of the season here. 
Um, but before we get into all of that, just a reminder, the tailgate every Saturday morning, 10 to 12, Felix was hosting last week. I hosted the week before Felix. Are you hosting this week again? Is that you on the tailgate? No, it's my, it's my, I wish it was, it was such a fun show last week. It was. By the way, thank you. We're trying to get to 2000 subscribers on YouTube. The support for the tailgate has been excellent. Has been really excellent. A lot of live viewers. So keep that up. Like the video, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. We're trying to grow the college fantasy game. We're trying to do it in a fun way. And I do. I wish I could host because I like hanging out with you guys on Saturday morning. It is a good time. Um, I still think I have the only live call in. Uh, I mean, except for you. You called in yourself. But I actually got, when I was hosting, a uh, viewer, listener to call in. So you can still call into those shows. Call in, ask us questions, start sits, um, prize picks questions, all of the above. Call in, tune in, um, check us out on Saturday mornings. Um, and then we also have the NIL only podcast feed, The Collective. That is in the Discord. If you are an NIL member and you're not in the Discord, definitely reach out. We'll get you in there. We'll get you the access to that podcast feed because you don't want to miss that, especially the show with Matt Waldman. And Felix, I suppose, but mostly Matt Waldman uh, breaking down players. Uh, it is it's exclusive to our NIL feed, and you're getting some of his great breakdowns on there. And then there's also a show by Nelly um, that talks C2C strategy, and there's also a show by Austin. Those aren't really as important. And I, I don't object, think Austin shows that bad. I object to Nelly and Mike's characterization that I have no strategy. <laughs> when playing C2C, so therefore I'm not being invited on the strategy show. I'm, I'm being mocked and ridiculed, teased and made fun of. This is unacceptable. Okay, that's it. All right. You got that out? You got it out of your system? Feel good? All right. We'll hop into week five here. This show is uh, going to be four hours. I'm telling you right now. There's it's a good chance. I think it was the last time I brought you guys on. Uh, and I just I opened it up in the in the Slack. It was like, hey guys, who wants to hop on? And you guys both just right away. And I was like, this is the show is going to get away from me. I'm going to get steamrolled. In fairness, I was only doing that out of politeness. I was really hoping you were going to be like, no, it's cool. I got Felix. And then when you're like, oh, cool, and added us to a group DM, I was like, well, now I got to show up. I was, well, I was really hoping to go to bed early. Well, who you're like? What do you like, Austin? You're, Austin's always like telling me not to tell, not to say things, or you know, like he'll make an a hollow offer. If you if you don't want to be on the show, you don't wasn't necessarily on. hollow. Just you know, I feel like you know, every time you need somebody, I'm like, yeah, you know, your boy Maddie B's got you. I'm gonna be there. But then I was hoping, like, oh, I got Felix. Don't worry about. It. I don't want to be up for eight hours tonight listening to you two <laughs> argue to each other the whole show. So I was like, ah, oh, that's cool. I'll, I'll step back. But no, I'm happy I, to be here. I never mind having you guys just argue with each other and then just me sitting here and laughing. I, I think I enjoy it a lot, honestly. You do. And I end up staying up till midnight because I'm pissed off all night long and I don't get any sleep. <laughs> I sleep like a baby. <laughs> I sleep like a baby as soon as we get off the microphone. All right. Well, I'll try and keep this as on the rails as possible and keep this show under three hours. Uh, we'll start talking about some mj morris here mj morris quarterback sophomore quarterback for nc state takes over the reins from brennan armstrong this week uh started off a little rocky in the first half but bounced back and looked 
decent in the second half, led them to a comeback win through 17 for 32, 265 yards, four touchdowns, and three interceptions. MJ Morris is a guy that we liked coming into the year until Robert and I brought his guy, Brennan Armstrong, with him. Do we still like MJ Morris here moving forward? Now that seems like he's going to be the guy. I think it's uh, – well, first of all, I thought that Brendan Armstrong was going to return to that, what, 2021 form with yep, Robert yep. and I at Virginia, and he didn't. But, I mean, I think it's still impressive that MJ Morris unseated someone that had a history with this offensive coordinator. Now, the truth is, is MJ Morris should have gotten a chance at the starting job from the get-go. He took no – number one reps in spring, no number one reps in fall camp. And he and having played as well as he did last season, he he warranted getting that getting that opportunity. And we're seeing, you know, how he played again. Was it Marshall uh, that yeah. he just played? So um he was what a top 30-ish quarterback. I know I think I've looked at my rankings. He was a top 30-ish quarterback for me. I never moved him out of my rankings just because Brendan Armstrong was started. We knew that eventually Brendan Armstrong would leave, whether it be in the middle of the season to give way to him or next season. So, you know, if you have MJ Morris on your team, which I think after last season, a lot of our subscribers do, I know I do, you should feel good about it. I'm not plugging him in to start anytime soon, but from, you know, a CFF perspective and a Devi perspective, especially with Robert and I, um, you have to be encouraged. And we should probably talk about Kevin Concepcion also, but. We should. We can. Yeah. I mean, we can jump right into Kevin Concepcion here, actually, while you're while you brought him up. I mean, he was a guy for our second half risers that I was considering, but he kind of already broke out here a little bit at the beginning of the year, had a big uh, a couple of big games. And then he just finally broke out this past week as well. Seems like he's going to be the number one target. Um, is this a guy that you're, you think is going to break out here in the second half? Are you actively going out and trying to acquire Kevin Concepcion? I mean, I think he's already broken. Like, I, I don't think that I'm ever going to start him, but I always pay attention when a freshman is performing, um, you know, the way that he's performing a true freshman wide receiver. I think the last time I've noticed something like this, it was Zay Flowers. And what I mean, like a freshman at a non-traditional school where we don't normally get a lot of Debbie or CFF production, Zay Flowers played really, really well his freshman season running all over the place. And I see some talent in what Kevin Concepcion is doing. Like he's causing uh, safeties or corners, whoever's guarding him when he's in the slot, he's causing them to turn the wrong direction. He's plucking the ball out of the air. And he's been the number one target now for two different quarterbacks. I mean, that says, oh, that says a lot. Now, they don't have anything established there in, at NC State. But, you know, I in a lot of my leagues, my waivers are kept. Uh, either is yep. either one or it's four. It's like no, there's no in between. And I really wish I had a a waiver pickup to get Kevin Concepcion because he's the type of player is like okay, just like Zay Flowers this freshman year at at Boston College. Let's just see what happens. It's like it's worth enough to go ahead and get him now. Like I, I'll give like I took Elijah Gilliam. Gilliam. I took uh, Jalen Buckley from Western Michigan University. Good CFF plays, but man, I would take those waiver claims back and get Kevin Concepcion if I had the opportunity to do so. Yeah, I I think Kevin Concepcion is the type of guy who, like you said, is Zay Flowers ish, but 
in that realm, I think he's also going to have CFF value moving forward. Just had a huge week last week. Um, he was our, which it's not out yet, but he is our freshman of the week. We're here with eight catches, 102 yards, and two touchdowns. Um, that's a second 100-yard game of the season. Uh, and in this Robert and I offense, that's high-flying. They put up a lot of good numbers. I think we're going to get some CFF value out of Concepcion moving forward, even as a freshman. So I know you said, you know, you might not pick him up, might not be looking to start him if you pick him up. I think you have some options. I started him this past week because there were so many buys and it was a great decision. Um, Matt, what are your thoughts here in the NC State offense moving forward with MJ Morris and, and Kevin Concepcion? Yeah, I'm I'm much more interested in uh in Kevin. I'm not even gonna attempt to, to say his last name, but because he is a, a freshman wide receiver, you know, you mentioned the eight catches for 102 yards. He also had 116 yards and two touchdowns against uh Virginia a couple weeks ago. So I'm much more interested in him than I am MJ Morris. It, you know, he had an okay game, in my opinion. I thought from the parts that I watched, he he was fine. I don't think he was like super fantastic, a 30 QBR. Three, he did have the three interceptions on the day, didn't really do a ton rushing either. So I'm not that interested in MJ Morris. I do agree with what Felix said, though, and you do have to give him props that he was able to kind of come in and take that job away from Brendan Armstrong. So maybe he gets better down the stretch. It was his first time starting this year, but I don't think it was an overly impressive game. I'd be much more interested in Kevin than I would MJ Morris. I think that's fair. I mean, MJ Morris, he started out a little rough. I think he had two two interceptions early on in the game, and then he looked like he settled in. So I think to Felix's point that he brought up before where – you know, he didn't really get any of the first team reps and kind of just got thrown into the fire. Um, you know, this week he probably started getting those first team reps. But uh, I think for for this performance, I think it's solid. It definitely interested in in seeing how that shakes out moving forward, because MJ Morris is a guy that I had like over hovering around my top 30 QBs and then dropped him out when he lost the job, dropped him a little bit. Uh, but I might move him back up because I did like what I saw out of him last year. So I'll be interested to see how he shapes up for the rest of the year. Yeah. I think um, my, my big thing that scares me with him though, is that he gets two really good defenses over the next two weeks in Duke and Clemson that I don't know. Like I, I don't see those being games that he's just going to go out there and dominate. Maybe if he brings back the rushing, I said he had negative two yards in this game. So like maybe the rushing comes back a little bit Miami, like then the rest of the schedule is fairly easy with Wake Forest, Virginia tech and North Carolina, but that even Miami defense could be an interesting game for him. So like, it's hard to view him at least for me as like a guy I would be willing to start over probably the next three weeks. Miami, maybe if he, maybe I'd be willing to start him against Miami, but I don't think I'm starting him against Duke or Clemson. I, this is the only rebuttal that I have. When, when Matthew says that he's not interested in MJ Morris, like maybe you are not starting him. But when a player has, you know, the ability that he, that MJ Morris has, when, you know, he's going to be the starter in a very friendly offense, as long as Robert and I stays there, like this is the type of player that you park on your bench and you see what happens. So am I interested in starting him? No, not at like absent a bye week there. I mean, I can start Curtis Rourke or Cole, Cole Snyder or, or, you know, a number <laughs> of other guys in action that, you know, offer a higher upside in, in against worse defenses. But I'm not saying that you start them. I'm saying that you pick them up, you plot them on your bench, and you see what happens. We've got 45-man rosters. It ain't that many good quarterbacks out there. So, like, I mean, I don't know. There aren't that many guys at the quarterback position that I would – prioritize in his range that's all i'm saying 
Like that's fair. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks, this is a guy that's gotten a lot of airtime on the campus to Canton, campus to Canton network here. Dante Moore, um, starting quarterback, freshman for UCLA. He's kind of struggled a little bit lately, but he's he's still winning games. He won last week against Washington State after a uh, not great showing, 22-44, 290 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, negative 25 yards rushing. Um, and she's not really like a rusher, so you don't expect that to be that high, but negative 25 means he was taking some sacks there. Um, with Dante Moore struggling here as early on, it, are we worried at all about him a little bit, or is this just kind of ride the storm out with this freshman? Absolutely. I don't know. I don't, I, sometimes I need to let Matthews talk. First, okay? <laughs> I was going to let you be go. able to hear you go everything. Hard. I want to hear everything that he's going to say so I can rebut it. Okay, I'll go first. I, I, don't, I don't think that you're going to rebut it. No, you have nothing to worry about. He's had two bad games. He, he did not play well against Utah either. Utah is arguably probably the best defense or arguably the best defense in the Pac-12. This game, I thought he played okay. It was not a great game. I mean, you mentioned the negative 25. He had negative 51 against Utah, if I'm remembering correctly. He took a lot of sacks in that game. He, he had a chance to actually win them that game and failed to kind of go down the field and tie the game up. But he's a true freshman. And a guy that, you know, many people did not expect to even be playing right now. It was supposed to be the, oh, Colin God, I forget. there we go. It just doesn't <laughs> matter anymore. But, yes, it's supposed to be the Colin Schlee show, according to many people here. So, like, it's – I'm not taking anything away from it. I thought he played fairly well early on. True freshman. We got to give him time. We trust Chip Kelly. I mean, Felix just talked about you want MJ Morris. You're going to park him on your bench because of the Robin and I offense. I would say argue the same thing about Chip Kelly's offense. So he's not playing up to that point right now. But in my opinion, he's still playing fairly well for a true freshman. How much better is he going to get next year and then two years into the system? So I'm not worried about him. Who I am worried about? What happened to TJ Harden? This dude who was supposed to be leading this backfield <laughs> and to be the stud who was 10 times better than Carson Steele, Mike Valerie. I'll just, I'll just wait. For your response, Mike Valerie, whenever you're ready, I'll be in slack. Um, before we get into to Dante Moore, how about shame on the UCLA Bruin fans out there? You had an undefeated Washington State team with an inciting quarterback in, in, in Cam Ward, who, if he stays, he's going to be like in the Heisman Trophy conversation next year. You got Dante Moore. A five-star freshman. You got Carson Steele. You got Jay Michael Sturdivant. You got Chip Kelly. They had like 400 people in the stands for this game. All the top row, row uh, uh, sectioned off with the with the banners over the over the seats. What is going? Like I know that that Do you not the know Rose Bowl UCLA is like fans. <laughs> I know That's it's UCLA. like 45. Listen, timeout. I used to go to UCLA's football camp practice facility right there next to Poly Pavilion. Damn it, you have a good football team, an exciting football team, an exciting quarterback. Support your I mean, it was it was it was sad. It was sad looking it's every time sad. they showed the, it was a glorified scrimmage atmosphere. That is a big Pac-12 interconference matchup. Again, an undefeated team coming in, and that's the crowd that you get. That is terrible. Terrible. Anyway. Dante, no, I'm not worried about Dante Moore at all. I mean, he's like Chip Kelly threw the ball 44 times in that game. You think Chip Kelly is worried about Dante Moore? Dante Moore every single week shows us why he should have been the one, the the number one pick in every single freshman draft. His 
back shoulder throws to the to either side of the field. He, I didn't give him credit for how he was how good he is vertically in the middle of the field. I didn't give him credit for that. I didn't think that like he and at times can really stress a defense vertically up the seam. Didn't give him enough credit for that. Every single week, Dante Moore makes some throws like, yep, that's he should have been the 101 every single week. First off, UCLA couldn't sell out games last year until I believe USC came in. That was the only game they sold out. And I'm pretty sure there was more USC fans in that stadium than UCLA. So I, I don't know about that. Now, I love how he gives the 44 attempts thing to back up Dante Moore doing this, but like just crapped all over Quinn Ewers last year when Sark made him <laughs> throw it 44 times in a game. Like, I just this guy sometimes i think i've watched like every throw i could from when you were sophomore year to today i've seen like one great throw i've seen one great throw that is a lie you've seen two and you know it because we did a show about quinn Ewers, and you admitted that the throw to jt sanders in the oklahoma game last year was a good throw so you've seen two yeah he did throw he did throw a seam route against cover three the safety had spun down and put it between three defenders yes that was a that was that wasn't a great throw it was like a throw that the number Go watch one YouTube quarterback videos. of all you time. You said it was a make, great throw. You said, okay, did fine. that YouTube you video got... make it? Because there was one yeah, that, that, that was didn't one make it because of the Michael Penix one. Got okay, okay. Up Damn it, man. That Michael Penix one was good. It was. It was. Nobody saw it. Nobody knows what we're no. talking about. Nobody no. knows. We'll release it from the archive someday, maybe, if it's still around. Um, what if we just try to post it again and see if we get through the past the copyright? Or don't monetize it. I don't think it was monetized. I'll try. All right, we'll give it a shot. Look out for that on the YouTube channel. But while we're talking Quinn Ewers, perfect segue here for the next one. Quinn Ewers looked kind of rough at the very beginning uh, of that game. Uh, then settled in a little bit there towards the end. High completion percentage, 31 of 37. Ended up throwing for 346 yards and a touchdown. Two interceptions in the loss. Those two interceptions were a little rough. Um, what are we doing with Quinn Ewers here? Because I got to be honest, I'm losing a little bit of faith, Matt. Bring me back. Bring me back. Never give up. Never surrender. Quinn's going to be fine. We just need him to play Alabama every week. And he's he's amazing. I I don't know. It, it was it was not a pretty game oh to, start, to start off. Oh I, I will admit that. And I do agree with you. I thought he got a little bit better. But, I mean, he, he's just not consistent. I don't know what to do with him. I really don't. Because he's still not even putting up the numbers that you would want from a quarterback in the Sark offense either. So I don't even know that you can start him. You're not going to be able to trade him at this point. I think the big thing, I think if you hold Arch Manning on your team, I think you really have to be worried right now that Quinn's coming back, which I was not expecting. This Quinn Ewers is 100% coming back. You think he's going to declare for the NFL draft? He'll be a third-round draft pick? Because that's exactly what he would be right now. What? I'll give you – I'll give you – from now until the end of time, to tell me what Quinn Ewers does that you can build an offense, an NFL offense around? Absolutely nothing. Get out of here, you guys. In these, you all, you respect what twenty four seven. They do a good job, fine. But I told you, Colin, I'm going to no. calm down here. Okay, Colin, right. you, right. you tell me if I'm lying or not. When we went through the recruiting process, I said, I don't. I don't understand what the hype is about with this guy watching it. Show me. I even Matthew. I even asked you when we were going through the recruiting process, writing up the freshman guy. I was like, can you? Can you? Can anybody show me the throws 
that I did make actually. point viewers. I have those too. Like, I have the text message proof of when you went in high school. What you guys you would you show me, it looked very similar to Sam Heward's tape. And what I mean by that is clean pocket, receivers open deep on deep routes against one high safety or two high safeties throwing it into the hole. It's, it's they're, they're throws that literally 75% of high school quarterbacks can make. There were not high level of difficulty. He didn't avoid pressure and throw off a platform. He didn't fit it into a tight window. You know who did? Drew Aller did. Devin Brown did in that class. I Anybody listen to this? I, go look at every single game from Quinn Ewers high school tape. And you send me the three best throws that show you that, oh, yeah, he warranted being this one overall recruit. What got him, and I've said this before, what got him that ranking was the fact that he did it as a very young player, as a sophomore, at a very prestigious high school at South Lake Care. That, that's what got him that ranking. But from a skills perspective, I, I'm still waiting for somebody to show me the skills that warrant this lofty place that we hold for Quinn Ewers. I mean, I, I semi-disagree with that. I think he can make any throw on the field. The problem is, I think he tries to... Okay. I think he... S send me the last five times that he made, quote-unquote, any throw on the field. No, he can't. Like, we can go look at Michael Penix Jr.'s tape, and I can say, okay, against Michigan State in 2021, he made this throw in, in the seam that to Watt Fillier, and that was, that was a tight window. Like, you... Like, those... Those types of examples for Quinn Ewers are far and in between. We can but generalize and say he can make I any mean, throw on the field, but go watch that. Just go watch the last game. Where where is it where he's making any any throw on the field? Well, you have to call those plays. I don't know that Sark is. I mean, you just admitted that there are far and few between, so they're still there. So you can't say that he can't do it because they're still <laughs> examples. So I'm sorry, Mr. Lawyer, but you just lawyered yourself out of that one because you just admitted that the throws are there. They are there. He's not consistent with it. I'm not going to disagree with you on that. Like, I, I'm not trying to tell you Quinn Ewers should be the number one overall pick. You're arguing against something that's not an argument I'm making. I literally said I think he's going to come back. But he can make every throw on the field. The problem is, for me, when I watch him, is that it seems like he's almost still playing in high school and that he thinks he can just do whatever he wants. There is no footwork there. There is no consistency with anything, and I think he believes that he can just rely on his skill and ability to do or make any throw they can. He's not doing it. So I don't know. If you look at the stats, he has not had that bad of a season. He's thrown three, three interceptions all year. He has a 70% completion percentage, 69% completion percentage. Like, he's actually nice. having – thank you. Uh, he, he's actually having a fairly good season statistically, but he's not doing it on the field consistently. Yeah, I think that's my biggest problem with him too is is the consistency thing and you know I wanted to chalk it up earlier to he gets up for the big games and then plays down to the other and that's the consistency and Michael Pennington Jr was completing 50% of his passes when I said this is a good quarterback. Consistency is not the thing. It's the type of throws that you're making. And I don't see examples of Quinn Ewers doing things whether it's consistently or inconsistently, I don't see examples of him doing things that lead me to believe, like you all seem to believe, that, oh, yeah, he's going to be a top 15 pick. Some GM is going to – Matthew, 
Matthew. You're making would you an bet, argument that nobody's no, making. No, time out. Would you, would you bet – you have a skill set. You have a job. Would sure. you bet your job that Quinn Ewers is going to be a franchise quarterback? Would Absolutely, you bet your job? Because I hate because my job. So, yes, <laughs> right now, let's do it. Good answer. But that is what you're – that is what we're – Saying that an NFL GM is going to do. Nobody I will bet my livelihood. That, You're what making nobody an... saying that. Every, Colin, everybody... when did you in this argument say that Quinn Ewers was going to go top 15? When have I said that? I didn't even disagree with you when you said Quinn Ewers was going to go you top three. one quarterback over Caleb Williams. What are you talking about? Yes, at one point. That was two years ago. Bravo. Like, I, I'm not allowed to change my mind. <laughs> Like, what do you want me to do? I've already admitted I was wrong two years. I, I told you Jackson Dart was going to have a better year than Caleb Williams two years ago. Like, I'm allowed to be wrong, people. It happens. I was wrong. Here, I'll say it one more time for you now that you sat back at the table. For those of you who don't know, Felix got up and threw something. I was wrong, okay? It happens. He's not so going to over Caleb. I just want, let, let me just ask you this. So you're off this train, correct? That he's going to be top 15 pick? Yes, if you're asking me right now, he's not going top 15. Why would I think that? Is he a first-round quarterback? Yes or no? Next year, yes, he'll be a first-round quarterback. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, man. Bring me me Malik Murphy, please. I am agreeing with Matt, though, that I think he comes back. I think at this point he comes back, and that does worry me. As an Archman. Colin, do you think he's a let's break the tie here? Do you think he's a first round quarterback? I was thinking he was going to be the QB three in this class and that he would be like a back end of the first round guy. And I am I'm backing off of that uh right now. I think he's gonna come back. He's gonna need another year? year to show it. Next year behind Drew Aller. There's I'm not there's nobody else in that <laughs> class right now. I'm not ruling. I'm not ruling it out, but I am finding it harder and harder to see him as a first rounder. Does that count as like? Is that a lawyer answer there for you, Felix? Does that does that work? You just just gave myself a lot of different outs. Um, no, no, lawyers don't like answer questions. They ask them and they pin people down on the answers. You did not answer the question. <laughs> I've just not decided to pin you down on the answer because it's your show. It's not my show. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do that. It's not my show. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, Austin would. Austin probably would have. Um, we'll move on here to one of uh, Matt. Austin success would not stories. have been talking about Quinn Ewers. No, yeah, he gets to talk about him. He gets Austin gets so irritated when I pick like topics for Debbie debate that have like wide appeal. But but you know what's funny. Then he'll d- send the DM group how much he hates Shador Sanders. Like I don't like we can't talk about Shador Sanders on the show. But he did, but then when he was wants to DM us, he's like, ah, this up. I mean, get out. Okay. <laughs> Quinshawn Judkins, freshman phenom from last year. Uh, he's yeah, been struggling, was... struggling this year. He has one game uh, over a hundred yards this year, and that's the only game he has over seventy yards. Um, he's got only four touchdowns on the year here. Definitely not what we were expecting out of the guy that you took in the early first, uh, mid first of a, of a startup, but Ulysses Bentley has actually looked okay at times last week. Judkins goes 18 for 65 and a touchdown. Bentley goes 13 for 94 and one. Are we worried at all about Quinshawn Judkins now with the sophomore slump? 
I'm not. No. Um, he was beat up to start the season. Not that that really, I think, should be something to be t- too worried about. He hasn't had as many carries as he even had last year. 13, 18, 13, 13, 33 against LSU, which was the only game that he went over 100 yards. Mm-hmm. I don't think, personally, the offensive line has been that good for Ole Miss. I'm not extremely worried about it. I he had an incredible freshman season. Maybe it was unfair to expect him to do that. We, you know, Austin has brought up before that he was still a little bit raw. I think a lot of it was just his explosiveness and not really a player that they had there last year. We expected Zach Evans to be able to do that, and he just wasn't. But I'm not extremely worried about Quinshawn. Am I a little bit worried? Yeah, because I don't expect Ulysses Bentley to be that good. But I do like the fact that he's got 13 receptions already on the season. He hadn't done much with them. I think he's only gotten, what was it? How many yards? Just over 100 yards, I think. Receiving, Yeah, 100 yards receiving. So like he's, he's getting more involved in the receiving game, which I like because he did do that in high school. But overall, I'm not extremely worried about him. I think he's still going to be a very good runner. A very good running back. Yeah, that's I, I had this argument with Matt Waldman last year. And I I'm just I've just retweeted myself. Like <laughs> you should have you should have traded Quinn Ewers for or excuse me, Freudian slip. Uh you should have traded Quinshawn Judkins for Nick Singleton last year when you had the when you had the chance. Like, yes, he was productive, but from a toolbox and skills perspective. It was all it was like it was always Nick Singleton to me. Quinshawn Judkins was a great hit from us, but he's still a three-star prospect. He's still like somebody who does not thump through tacklers the way Nicholas Singleton does. He doesn't have blazing speed the way a lot of running backs do. He's a solid player, and he got the opportunity and, and he made the most of it. But I, with none of these guys. None of the guys that we're talking about, do I go look at the stat sheet and say they're good or they're bad? Like that's just that's just not how I process the game. Like, okay. It's it's the same, it's the same thing with Travion Henderson. That freshman year at Ohio State, you see him running straight through a lot of open holes. Now, did he defeat angles with that speed? Yes, absolutely. But the other things that you would ask a running back to do, again, you know, play with a low pad level, turn the legs, like Make it uh, lateral break tackles that way. We didn't see a lot of that from from Travion Henderson, and I don't think that we're like. I don't know what trait or skill Quinshawn Judkins has that is his trump card trait that's going to make him like a high day two draft pick. I think he's good, but he's never been Nick Singleton athlete good. He's never been Nick Singleton power good. He's never been Nick Singleton, ooh, I'm a defensive back. I don't want to tackle this guy good. So I think that he's fine, but he's like, he's fine. He's fine. Had a great game against LSU. He's fine. If you have him, you know, probably keep trolling him out there starting. I don't know who you're going to start over him. And then he's probably going to be a fourth-round draft pick, which is great, which is great. But he's not special if he was special he would have been a four star three or four star or he would have developed physically to this point where we say "Mm, you know we're getting this guy he's got 22 miles per hour on the mile per hour like he's showing some juice he's not special and that's fine because like there's like four guys that are special in college football it's like martin harrison jr 
Not it's good. Caleb Williams. It's Zachariah Branch. You know, there aren't that many guys that are special. So, I mean, it, it Zach Evans, Quinshawn, Jack Evans, uh, Sean Tucker, Kayshawn Boutte, all guys that were extremely productive that fell to the last round of the NFL draft. You know, so tell me what special trait that any of these guys had, not just production. It was always Nick Singleton before Quinshawn Judkins. It it always should have been. Now, that doesn't mean that Quinshawn Judkins isn't a top 10 running back in college football. It doesn't mean that. It just means that, you know, that first tier is reserved for a very limited number of players. I think the only thing that Quinshawn Judkins can even sort of hang his hat on is the receiving ability that we saw in high school. We haven't really seen that that much here in in college. I'd definitely like to see more of that, but I do agree with you. He's not really showing that next step that we were hoping he would have taken uh, from last year to this year with Judkins. And that's the top of the running back rankings are a lot of question marks. Uh, We've seen it with Travion with question marks. Raheem Sanders doesn't look quite right right now. Um, you know, he's, he was banged up, so we'll see how that goes, but Quinshawn Judkins, um, there's a number of guys at the top of the rankings and and you're right. Nobody looks special right now. Especially this year. I mean, the college football teams don't look great. Like there's no dominant team from a player perspective. Like the guys, like if you held a gun to my head, who's going to be a first round draft pick? I mean, it's like it's like out of six guys that I'd be like, hey, they are. Um, but yeah, there's there the college, the the player pool as a whole has a lot of developing to do. There's a lot more to show us. Um, so I mean, even somebody like Emeka Abuka, you know, we expected Emeka Abuka to blossom without, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba there going into the slot. And it just hasn't really happened. I don't know if that's him. I don't know if that's the offense, what have you. But, I mean, you know, it's just like we knew like we knew coming into this season, there weren't a lot of established names. And we're here six weeks into the college football season. I kind of feel like that's still the case. There are not established guys. Yeah, I, I agree. I, there just have not been anybody really – rising up and establishing themselves either in that top tier of guys. There's definitely been risers, but there's nobody that has jumped out that I'm like, yes, this guy's now in the top tier. Like we were hoping they would be. Uh, We'll move here into a quick shout out for top performers of the week. uh, Before we jump into some guys that we expect to have big second half of the seasons Uh, quarterback, Jaden Daniels, uh, 51.9 fantasy points. This is a six point per passing touchdown league. Uh, he was the top scoring quarterback, Antario Brown, 52 fantasy points, top scoring running back Malachi Corley wide receiver, Western Kentucky with the top scoring wide receiver that happened early on in the week on a Thursday, uh, 46.8 fantasy points. And then we get uh, a tight end resurgence here from a guy that we thought could be a streaming option and just hasn't been David Martin Robinson, the tight end for temple with a massive game, uh, 35.2 fantasy points. 
Right. Shout out to Chris Moxley, who was all over David Martin Robinson, by the way, who in some leagues was taken as a placeholder for like Deuce Robinson. So <laughs> I, I did Moxley. see that in a league um, where, where he was taken as a placeholder. We're like, can we get somebody else? I want to draft this guy. Uh, but all right, moving into the second half here, we're looking at players that we think are going to break out in the second half of the year. Um, players who have... St- started to pick it up a little bit down the stretch and we think we're going to have a huge second half felix i'll come over to you first here you have a couple guys listed uh who's somebody that you're keeping an eye on for the second half i don't even, okay i know that one player that i uh, wrote down here was kevin concepcion and from a uh, not kevin concepcion kevin coleman too many mm-hmm. kevins out there we need to limit the number of kevins um <laughs> from uh a statistical Statistical perspective, Kevin Coleman has been number two. Of course, Jamari Thrash having the season that he's having. And um uh Amari Huggins Bruce has been fine. Like all, but all three of these guys are averaging like over 15 yards a catch. And Louisville, if you look at their schedule, I'm gonna I don't have it in front of me. I should. By the way, Louisville, uh, I'm here in Louisville, Kentucky. They beat Notre Dame and uh right around where uh where I bought bought a house, they were burning couches and you know celebrating the victory. <laughs> Over there on M Street. Shout out to M Street. You guys know who you are if you're listening over there. Anyway, but okay. So I look at from a, I, I love Kevin Colvin's like talent profile. This is a dude who can run after the catch. He returns punts. Um, and I just think that in addition to this talent profile, you look at what Louisville gets on their schedule. And this is why I think that he's a potential breakout. They're at Pitt, then they get Duke at home, uh, Virginia Tech at home. Virginia at home, then Miami and Kentucky. I mean, and and Louisville's undefeated. Like, this is a team that's rolling. So can they get something out of their third wide receiver from a, you know, uh, either in the return game or get him the, the ball in short stuff and screens or, like, out of the backfield? I think so. Like, I, I just love the way this – this guy's like an explosive, perky uh, – uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Twitchy? Yeah, twitchy. Twitchy's the word. A super twitchy player. And uh have had the opportunity to see him here play here. And I'm like, man, they need to get the, the ball into this this guy's hands a little bit more. But it's the skill set in addition to Louisville's schedule, you know, here going into the ACC conference play, where I'm like, why not? Why not, Kevin Coleman, when you've got your next couple of games are Pittsburgh, Duke, Virginia Tech, and Virginia. So I think. Kevin Coleman is a great shout out there. My only worry is Jamari Thrash has just been the target monster through the first part of the season here. Um, but I think Kevin Coleman is going to be a guy for for next year for sure. Um, Matt, who's the guy that you're keeping an eye on for the second half? Uh, Jalen Moss, wide receiver for Fresno State. I know, um, was it Eric? Is oh, Man, I forgot his. Brooks Brooks is is kind of leading the team there with 494 receiving yards and the four touchdowns. And Jalen Gill actually has more touchdowns than him as well. But Moss has out targeted him 44 to 38. And he's actually had a couple good games. He's actually been targeted quite a bit in the last couple games. Nine, eight, only four in the against Nevada, but did catch all four and then 11 there against Wyoming. They don't have a particularly hard schedule moving down the stretch. I think the hardest game they've got left is Boise State, but I think he's going to continue to just rise up. I've had a couple really good games here. I think he's going to end up being that wide receiver, too, for that Fresno State offense that usually puts up points. So I'm, I'm going for Jalen Moss. 
Yeah, I think he's a guy too that you know we'll highlight um, a little bit later in the in the waiver section. But 200 yard games in his last three, he's led the team in in targets in both of those games too. So he's he's been he's been stepping it up. They've been distributing the ball with with Brooks and and Gill, like you said. But Moss is a freshman, yeah. so. Uh, Mikey Keene, the starting quarterback there, is is a sophomore in terms of eligibility. So he's got at least another two years left. So and Jeff Tedford is doing some good things with that Fresno State team outside of losing in Laramie last week. How many people have <laughs> or drafted Josiah Freeman after Jake Hayter at the NFL Combine when he said who's next? <laughs> and he mentioned Josiah Freeman. I definitely had him on some rosters. I'm I'm leaning more towards we had this argument in the offseason waivers versus no waivers. Like because I only have one pick in some leagues, I can't even drop Josiah Freeman in some places. Like I, you know, I still got him. So anyway. Yeah. Uh well, uh, my guy that I want to talk about first is uh Eugene Wilson, the freshman wide receiver for Florida. Um, he had a couple of decent games to start the year. He's already off of the uh, the year one zero mark. He hit that through his first three games, got banged up, missed the last two games, and comes back against Vandy, leads the team in targets with 11. He was eight for 64 and one. And this Florida passing offense hasn't been atrocious um, these last couple of weeks. They that's that's saying something for a Billy Napier led passing attack. Um, but I think Eugene Wilson just brings such a different skill set than anybody else they have on that team right now. And I think he meshes pretty well with Graham Mertz. Um, so I think Eugene Wilson is going to have a big second half of the season. And that's a guy that I want to go out and actively acquire because I'm sure he's rostered in your leagues. But this is a guy that I think is going to have a big second half. And I think there's going to be a lot of people talking about him in the offseason leading into next year. Well, I mean, since you're on Florida, first of all, I agree with you. And I think as a company, you know, we were high on Eugene Wilson uh, mm-hmm. and that had come to fruition. But how about Arliss Boardingham, since we're talking about Florida? Uh, yeah. Over 100 yards uh, receiving against Vanderbilt. Some of them were, you know, just dump offs into the flat. But he, after the catch, he moves really well for a player of his size. Uh, he can make people miss. And I have to believe, I mean, there ain't a lot of weapons there for uh, old Billy. Old Billy, who's going to be coaching <laughs> Louisiana again soon. Um, there aren't a lot of weapons there in Arliss Boardingham. Well, one, Arliss Boardingham looked really good. And if you look at um, uh, real analytics, he was their number, he might have been one of their highest rated players. I know he was their top tight end from like a size and athleticism perspective. And I, I'm going to, if somebody can filibuster for me, I want to look up his uh, his size because that dude, that boy looks big and he was moving really fast on this team. He's 6'3", six, six, 240 is what he's listed as. He's a little bit small, but I mean, just had, you know, a great, a great game. He's kind of in that um, JT Sanders body type. Um, so, I mean, Arliss Boardingham, for me, like he just just had his breakout performance, can run after the catch at that size. I I like him to continue to be involved in the game plan. Yeah, and and like you said, he, there's not a lot of other great pass catchers in that offense. So somebody has to catch the ball. Boardingham, big week last past week, seven for ninety nine and two. Um, and I think he was, I believe he was listed as an athlete coming out too, which I think again just kind of highlights 
that athleticism that he has. He could have played a couple of different positions. Uh, Matt, who's another guy that you're keeping an eye on here? Man, this feels very weird to say this, but Alabama's leading reception guy in Isaiah Bond, which I was not expecting to, to see when I went and looked in this. Now, technically, Jermaine Burton has more receiving yards than him, 386 or 275, and more touchdowns. But he got 200 two. of those like last week, so yeah. this past week. Isaiah Bond has kind of been quietly getting a lot of targets. Now, granted, we're not expecting this to be a high-volume passing attack with, with Milrow back there at quarterback, but nine targets last week caught seven for 96 yards and a touchdown, had eight earlier in the year, then unfortunately five, then in two games with three and one. But he's actually been leading the team in the slot, and he's gotten more and more snaps there earlier in the season. Kobe Prentice was leading in the slot there. He's still running with a... 86% of the slot snaps, but over the past couple of games, while Isaiah Bond's only been 69% in the slot, he has gotten more and more snaps yes. there with 15 and nine, where Kobe Prentice has actually only gotten five and five in the last two games. So it seems like Bond has moved more and more into the slot over the past couple of games, kind of taking over that spot from Kobe Prentice. And we've kind of seen that in him getting the more snaps, the more plays, the more yards, and now a touchdown last week. I think he's going to continue to dominate there as long as he is starting over Kobe Prentice in the slot. And again, not expecting this to be like some massive, you know, they're not going to be a, a massive passing attack. Like they're, they're, Jalen Milrow's not going out there and throwing for 44 times a game, but they have a lot of big games coming down the stretch here for Alabama. And if they want to make it into the playoffs, they want to get to that SEC championship game against Georgia. They have to win all those games moving forward. So I think he's going to be heavily involved in the passing game. I don't know. I'm not telling you to start him right now, but I do think he could have a pretty big second half of the year for, for the Crimson Tide. Yeah. I think the, the thing that stands out for me with bond is, is the target share. Like you were talking about. I mean, yes, Burton had that huge blow up game last week against A&M, but other than that, Bond has really been the guy that they've been looking at and been kind of drawing up some plays for. And he's a guy that Austin has, you know, identified early in the season, early into the into the process leading into this season is the guy he uh, expected to kind of lead this team. And so far, it's kind of looking like he was is going to be right on this one. Um, and Alabama is still in the driver's seat for that SEC West championship as of right now. So they're going to need to continue to improve offensively if they're going to get there. But as we mentioned, Alabama, Matt, you weren't, it was, just, I guess it was just me and Chris last week. We talked about who could be the next Puka Nakua. And yeah. we said a bunch of names. Jermaine Burton is like right there as a potential <laughs> because he has the athleticism. He has the recruiting pedigree. No, look at, look at what Puka Nakua was. He was in like the number yeah. eight wide receiver in his class, you know, had some middling production and then drafted into what the fourth round and breaks out. That's exactly what <laughs> middling production, fastest man in that 2019 uh, uh, opening competition, and you know, it, elite, you know, a very good pe recruiting pedigree. It's like this, almost the same type of player. You're, it's, you're it's not, possible. you're not going to do it. You're not going to get me sucked back yeah, into Jermaine saying, Burton that's, again. That's just not, music to Kyle. Not again. I'm, not again. I'm just saying that he's like, I'm saying like we should have thrown that name out there. Fool when, me once. When, yeah, we should have thrown that name out there. Nah, he's fooled you more than once. We're, we're on like, <laughs> fool me six times, and I don't even know what you say after that. But, no, just, but we, we thought he was going to be the next Jamison the Williams there for Alabama. No, 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 and... not we. There was one person on this show that Who? thought he was going to be. Who? Colin. 
That was me. Oh, Colin, I think, had him ranked as a top five wide receiver at one point. And I got roasted because I had him ranked as like number 20 or so. I think me and someone else had him ranked really low. And Kyle's like, there's no way. There's nobody else here he's going to lead. And it was just bad last year. Well, in my defense, the whole passing offense was just bad. Bryce Young wasn't. Bryce Young was amazing. All of the receivers were bad. That's fair. Um, So he was the best guy there, but that's like he was the best of the bad group that's uh never mind. i was gonna say a very off-color joke uh-huh no if austin was here he would have. It, was it a so. movie quote uh yes i think yeah. so here I i'll type I it know. in I'll, I'll type it in the chat i think i know where you were sure. going with that one um we'll move on here my next guy that i think is gonna have a big second half is a guy that we talked a little bit about on the tailgate this past week uh to open the show ollie gordon running back for oklahoma state uh coming off back-to-back hundred yard games uh, you know, last week against Kansas State in that big win, 21 carries, 136 yards, and a touchdown. He has 18 targets on the year, um, with uh, which is kind of surprising. Now, he has 11 catches for 64 yards, so they've all been dump offs, but I they just don't seem to want to use anybody else. Elijah Collins came in. He's not a thing anymore. JD Nixon hasn't really been involved. I think it's going to be the Ollie Gordon show down the stretch. And this passing attack is not very good either. So in a Mike Gundy led offense, that's typically pretty productive on the ground. They're not going to have the same success through the air. They're going to need to probably lean on the ground even more. I think Ollie Gordon could have a big second half and uh, you know, shout out to Todd uh, Vincent, uh, who came on our show to talk about the uh, uh, the summer school session, uh, and and he highlighted Ollie Gordon as a guy who thought could be a riser. I mean, Ollie Gordon should have been the guy from the beginning, but Mike Gundy, you know, he's he's also I think fits into that quote I put into the private yeah. chat of coaches. <laughs> but, but, but you should have, I mean, you should have known. Like, anytime a coach is that um, vocal in criticizing a player that means they have very high expectations for that player. I mean, you it's not because this is a, this is like the 100 and, 100 and, usually college football teams had 110 players. Like it's not because this guy is the 110th most talented player on the team. Like they are they want to see more. It's it's the same thing with Cormani McLean. Like Cormani McLean in Colorado. Like if a coach will publicly criticize a player, that means that they have high expectations. It's a little bit different, I think. But... It's why Matt. It's why I <laughs> criticize you publicly. No, I, I, I mean, I get why Dion did it. Mike Gundy, I think, criticizes some players for different reasons, and you know, we were not going to go there. But I mean, he was very critical of Ollie Gordon, and Ollie Gordon just now started getting carries. I mean, what did he mm-hmm. have last week? Like it was. Or the week before, he only had like five snaps, right? Like he wasn't. It was playing. the the South Alabama game. Yeah, yeah, he had like three he, carries. Yeah, like he wasn't. It, it, I think Mike Gundy was being dead serious when he's like, "This dude is not tough," and that's why he tried. It's just Elijah Collins sucks, and so that's why Ollie Gordon's finally getting a chance. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, all right, Felix, who else did you have on this list here? I see you had a couple other guys. I, I mean, Tez, Tez Walker is an easy call. I mean, he mm-hmm. just. <laughs> he didn't get to play. And, uh, and it's funny. Oh, enough. He he got open deep on the crossers on one, and Drake May just overthrew him. I think that crowd would have went crazy if he caught that ball. I mean, it was a schemed up. It's not like he beat anybody. It was just crossers. And he was – I mean, he was there was like nobody within 10 yards. Of him. <laughs> he should have hit him for a touchdown. 
Uh, Drake May seemed to be hitting his stride too, because he even though he missed that throw, he had his best game against Syracuse. Uh, he also he also got deep, um, uh, you know, on like just a regular nine route, and Drake May missed him there. That dude is just so much more athletic than the kids that he's playing against. He's 22 years old, so he should be, but I I I don't know. It just feels like an easy call. Like once he gets the 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 uh, chemistry with Drake May going. I think he's going to have a big second half to the season, but that feels like low-hanging fruit. Yeah, I, I, Tez Walker's definitely a guy I was considering for this list as well, uh, just yeah, because were... he hasn't been out there, and we had such high expectations for him coming into the year. Uh, I think we could finally start to see him realize that. He just has to get, like you said, that chemistry with Drake May down. We don't really know how much he was practicing with the team before that, uh, yeah. so where do you guys have he might have been playing scout team like that's what i would do with a kid if he couldn't play i put him on scout team where do you guys have him ranked i mean approximately um he was a guy that i had really high i had him in my top um 20 i have since mm-hmm. dropped him pretty far and i need to bring him back up now that he is definitely playing but i think i would put him right there with Keon Coleman, Makaya Lemon, mm-hmm. Malachi Corley, yeah. like 17, 18, 19. Uh, I've got him at 18, and he'll probably move up a couple slots for me with some of the players I have over him. But yeah, I, I had him at 18. I will say the low hanging fruit thing kind of goes back to Debbie debate and your nickname of five star Felix. I mean, that's just kind of what you do. So. <laughs> I, what is what I do? What is it that I do? You, just, you go for the easy answer. This five star Felix and low hanging fruit, Tez Walker, easy answer. <laughs> I've never tout five star players. Anyway, uh, I have I have Teza. I haven't really moved him that much. I have him at thirteen, right behind Malik Neighbors, in front of Deuce Robinson, in front of Isaiah Bond. So, um, yeah, he's right there in that range. My problem is, I just realized, which you know, probably shouldn't admit this live, and I know Austin would get mad at me. I still have Brandon in this ranked fairly high. He's got a drop for me, but him and I think I'd probably move him over. I actually probably I would move Walker over Troy Franklin, who I've ranked over currently as well. So he'd move up a couple spots. Uh, I think I'm going to officially slot him in at wide receiver 18 right behind Keon Coleman. I do have Troy Franklin at 16 there. I'm still, I'm so I, mad at I myself. I have Keon Coleman at 10. Like who, I need to know who your 18 wide receiver. Like I would like to see everybody else's rankings. <laughs> like, am I missing something? Like I, um, I basically just put everybody who I know is good that I have faith in. I just in, move them up my rankings. Guys like uh, Antonio Williams, I moved way down. Randall, I moved way down. Jonte Cook, I moved down. Um, you know, I don't know. Just some of these guys. Brandon Ennis, I moved way down. I'm not ready Malachi Corley at 28. Is he really like Malachi Corley? Do I is he? Do I have him misranked? Well, I have for C2C, I have him ranked 19th just because of the production you're going to get there. But I do think you're going to get some Debbie value from him. I think he's looking like a probably more likely like a fourth round wide receiver, but he may sneak into the third, I think, uh, if he has like a big senior bowl week and can can get some get the right people to get eyes on him and fall in love with him there. Um, so I, that's why I have him a little bit higher. But I have Torrey Horton right there with him too, um, 19 and 20. Um, for me, John T. Cook's probably the only one I have up there too that probably needs to move down. I, mean, I think Zachariah Branch has been fine. He deserves to stay up in my top 10. I got Roma Dunze at 12, Keon Coleman at 13. I just moved Walker to 14 over Troy Franklin and, and Xavier Worthy. All right. 
Um, that's I don't have anybody else on my list here. Felix, you had what well, somebody written down that I wanted to ask you, but who's JD? Yankee, he's because he's crushing it in the league of records. <laughs> I feel like I intentionally put the put the, uh, the initials, initials there <laughs> so that you guys wouldn't say no, you can't talk about him. But now I can't. Oh, low hanging fruit, is. five star Felix strikes again, huh? That's a you know said we can't talk about JD. Who's a who's a JD who's performing right now? Who's who's having an amazing year? I, I was thinking Jerry on Dickey for a second, but I was yes, like, no, that it no was Jerry on Dickey. There is okay. no way. It was Jerry on Dickey. So I okay. Uh it was Jerry on Dickey. So uh let's see if I can find it. I can't find it. Dan Lanning talked about him late last week and he basically mentioned the knee injury which we all knew coming in, but he also said he's starting to get in shape. So I don't know that we had the same problem with uh, Hakeem Hakeem Williams at Florida State, mm -hmm. like not coming in in shape. But Hakeem Williams didn't have an injury. It could be the thing that is holding Jerry on Dickey back is the fact that if if you're rehabbing during training camp, it's hard to get in football shape. So that could be the thing that was holding him back. Uh, we were talking about Dante Moore earlier, man. Like Dante Moore's game meshed so well with Jerry on Dickey when they were both committed to Oregon because, you know, Dante Moore, one of his best assets is throwing that best skills is throwing that back shoulder fade. You get a six foot three, 215 pound do beast like AJ Brown and Jerry on Dickey. That's like the perfect skill set. But yeah, I did want to mention that, you know, they asked about, they asked Dan Lanning about him. He said he's coming along. He had a good, he said he had a good catch against us today. I think that meant the defense. Like maybe yeah, he's playing against he's scouts because he's not. Yeah, he's snap. not getting on the field. So maybe in <laughs> he's practice not he's actually oh, snap. Right. Or, oh, who is us? Oh, like who, who is us? It must be in practice because it's definitely not on, on the field. So it sounds like you know maybe he's playing well in practice. I, I'm I, I'd be lying to say I wasn't scared, but I I mean I really like Jerry on Dickey. I thought there was a possibility for for him to be ranked the number one wide receiver in the freshman class. So. Um, Over under five receptions by the end of the year for Jerry on Dickey. You're doing what I did with bad, you with G Scott. But I, I remember mean, we used to play these games with G Scott. Over under five receptions. Pretty. All right, let me let me look at this. Let me because do they get Washington this week? They get them this um, week. Yeah, that's going to be a big. I don't think he plays. By the way, that is that is by, by far my favorite uh, game on the schedule. Oh, yeah. this week. Yeah, yeah, is it, it's a three thirty. Damn. It is, yeah, middle of the day. Washington State, Utah. The Might be Benadryl time for the kids. Um, let's see. Cal or Arizona State at the end of the year because then they get nope. USC and Oregon State. Like, he's not getting in in those games. So it's going to be Arizona State or Cal he gets in at. He's taking 12, I'm sorry, 11 snaps total on the entire season. And if, if Bo Nix isn't throwing the ball to Troy Franklin or Gary Bryant Jr., it ain't going to anybody else. Three targets for Casey Kelly, one for Chris Hudson, one for Darian Anderson, six for whoever Patrick Herbert is. I don't even know who that is. That's a tight end. That's a younger okay. brother of Justin Herbert. Well, he doesn't matter. Over, <laughs> under five receptions. Man, that's a hard one. I Because there's not a clear – And they're not like they're – If they go to the playoff, he's not going to get in. He's not getting right in. there. Well, we'll so know they have to go to like – They've got to be they gotta go to, they're not going to the playoffs. So it'll be this So week. Troy Franklin will probably – don't you think Troy Franklin would skip the draft if – I mean, skip the bowl if they didn't go – I don't know. I mean, both him he, and Bo Nix said they that they would not back out, and they both played last year in the bowl game. They didn't have to. Well, I mean – I'm going to say over. I'm going to say over. I'm going to say over. 
Um, over five catches, I think he'll get if, there. If he's get if he's getting in if he's getting in shape, if maybe that he he starts getting some opportunity. The problem is is that is the schedule. Like, there's not well, there's not a lot of places on the schedule. His sister says he's coming back from a knee injury. He hasn't taken a snap since week three. Yeah. If he, we if the injury was before the season. He was able to get eight snaps in in week one, and then three snaps in week three, and hadn't seen the field. Well, well he did it against what, Portland State and Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I'm saying. He, I mean, he's going to get on the field. It's going to be against Cal and Arizona State. It's listen, not Malachi Malachi Coleman had his first catch this last week. Maybe, maybe we get Jerryon Dickey. You know, from, from your lips to God's it's ears, it's, it's not looking, looking good. pretty. <laughs> it's not looking. It's not looking great. I, I'm not quite as quick to write off some of these freshmen, you know, five weeks into the season, like Brandon Innes. I'm not writing Brandon Innes off. Jury and Dickey, I'm getting a little scared, but I'm not writing him off totally yet. I, I haven't would. nuked him yet. Have you seen the hospital balls Kyle McCord's been throwing everybody? Why's Brandon Innes getting on the field? They can barely beat anybody. Well, because they, they've just been running a rotation of three guys this year. which That's is what they've just... been doing for three straight years, though. And I don't think that's going to change. Well, we'll see. Julian Fleming, if he gets hurt, Mecca was banged up last week. We'll see. I, I'm not ready to write off. Nuts, right? Not ready to write in us off yet. And uh, if Ohio State loses and does not make the playoff, and then I think we do see Marvin Harrison sit out. Might see a Mecca sit out. Oh, they'll both sit out. Yeah. So we could get it. We could get him some garbage time. Adam Randall or. Uh, I, I will say this. Even if Jerry on Dickey does not break a single year one zero threshold, I still, and I have no excuses for him. I'm still kind of buying. I'm still <laughs> buying him. I just, that dude is just, he wasn't just a good wide receiver. He was a good cornerback. He was a good linebacker. He was a good, like, he was good at everything in high school. So I just, I still kind of believe in that, that profile. I like it. Hey. He's a good pass rusher. He was. He would line up at defensive end too. I mean, the dude is a beast. Strong convictions. That's that's what I. That's where I'm at too. Um, on some of my guys. But all right, that is going to do it for us here tonight. I will be back shortly with a couple of the start sits that's that it. Austin and I normally have. That that's all I got on the show sheet here. Is there anybody else you wanted to talk about? I mean, Justice Haynes, you got to throw Justice Haynes okay. in. I don't know why he's not getting on the field. That's one, too. Yeah, they just have that rotation of backs there. Um, with Roydale Williams being a bigger pain in the side than than what we're hoping for. Roydale Williams feels like a guy who's going to get taken in like the fifth or sixth round and then yeah. just end up on a roster is like an RB Robinson. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Over right. under 20 rush attempts for justice Haynes by the end of the season. Oh, uh, over because once he gets in, he will like, I think he'll be the guy. Like, I think once he gets in, he'll, he will have, you know, consecutive games with eight plus carries. Give me the under 20 carries is a tough note is a tough, Matt, you know, this is a audio medium, so we can't see you. I said, give me the down. under, I said, give me the under while I'm pointing my, and you're still down. doing it. You're pointing your, because they out. can hear me say, is give it? me the under their schedule is tough down the stretch. I don't see how he does it. Is. 
Not that I don't think. Yeah, he but their running game was right there with my RB. Like they, no, I and, agree. And Nick Saban has said we need to get him more involved. Now that was like two weeks ago, and they still exactly. Have it, but and you know what? <laughs> what has he done? Has he done anything in the past two weeks? No, he hasn't actually. He's no. not. Four, well, no, no, four carries two weeks ago, week five. So yeah, four carries in week five. Yeah. So he's already four got four. Four carries in week one. He's got eight carries on the season for fifty-one yards. Is it twenty? Game. Is it is that twenty number? Is that for the rest of the season from here on out, or is that we'll total? go twenty four? Then I wanted twenty the rest of the season, so we'll go twenty four. I'm taking the under. Regardless. Yeah, I think he does. I think I he think deserves to be there, but I don't think he's going to get the opportunity. Not with their schedule moving forward. They play everybody now. There's not a well, single easy game left on Alabama's schedule. I don't know who he gets in against. Well, let's let's see. I want to bring up uh, the statistics for the running backs overall. So it's been bad. Yeah, it hasn't it hasn't been great. We thought we got a glimpse of Jace McClellan. Sorry, there. they get Ch- Chattanooga before the Iron Bowl. Maybe he gets his twenty carries. There it is. There it is. Got Tennessee, LSU, Arkansas, and Kentucky before they get the Iron Bowl. Are we are we prepared to say Kentucky and and Tennessee are like good? I think they'll be close. Yeah, I mean, what what Tennessee was able to do last year, I don't think Alabama's any better. Uh, they don't have Bryce Young to keep them in that game. I don't know that Jalen Milrow is going to be able to do it. I mean, Tennessee hasn't been as good as they were last year with Hendon Hooker, but I think they can give Alabama a game. Kentucky, we'll see. I don't know what where I'm at on Kentucky. Raymond Davis pushing his way up toward decent draft capital. But he is Spider Man meme. You and me pointing at each other. It was your and guy Corey first. Too. And Corey, what, cla- Corey. what freshman class was, was Raymond Davis in? Oh, uh, I think he was in my freshman 2019? class. Twenty nineteen. Twenty twelve. Hold on, let's see here. <laughs> I'm almost positive it was 2018, maybe. I interviewed him as a freshman at Temple, so I was probably uh, and, it, and his dad <laughs> likes, you know, talking trash on Twitter. Let's see. He was in the 2019 class. Yeah. 2019. You know what I was doing in 2019? Not this. I was still in college. Not this. <laughs> uh, yeah, we weren't doing we had we hadn't even started. Nope. We had, there was none of the we hadn't even started the pandi- yet. 2019. <laughs> The pandemic, it was a different world in 2019. It really was, yep. yep. Yeah, I actually talked to him no... in 2022, what it was like going to college with the pandemic and everything. So, yeah, it's, it was a, it feels like a century ago. He's, what, on his third college? How is that even possible? Mm-hmm. Is he a grad student? He's got to be. Yeah. He's got to yeah, be yeah, a grad is. student. Yeah, he is. And his draft capital is going up because he's a 24-year-old yeah. dominant. You've seen, you seen the way he's been playing with Kentucky? Is that, that's your position. That's NFL doesn't care. They want you for three so years. Yes, yes so I yes. already said okay. yes. I said his draft capital is going up. You guys so are telling me he's going in the sixth down. round. Yep. As long as he goes in the fourth round, the then Don't I will. say win. you guys. I, I I'm on your. I'm on your side. I know there. you are. Yeah, yeah. You, me, and Corey are standing. The medic- when he gets Who's, drafted, weren't in the fourth you a CJ Vardell fan too? No, God, no. I was. Who was the? There was a running back from Oregon that you were in love with. That I was in love with. Yes. Come on now. Is Bucky Irving? No, God, no, no. I, I torched John Aaron. It was, you know, I thought it was C.J. Verdell. Like, you were a big C.J. No, Verdell. it was not C.J. Verdell. I did not like – I was a big Oregon Tra- State guy, Jamar uh, Jefferson. Yeah. Uh, no, I know one? that. There was another was guy. Another one? Travis Dye? I did not like C.J. Verdell. I don't like Travis Dye either. I don't remember liking no. any Oregon backs. I liked the Oregon State ones because I was wrong on both of those guys because it was Jamar Jefferson and then whoever it was last year, I thought uh, – I liked uh, B.J. Baylor. I, I mean, was, I was, I, I was, as well. 
I was wrong on I was wrong on Ryan Knoll. That's a Oregon State running back there. <laughs> I, I still believe in Ryan. I still I don't understand why Ryan Knoll didn't get a a chance in the NFL. Oregon running back drafted. Let's see if I can figure this out because I really don't know who you are talking about. Yeah, I can't even think of any running back. Uh, Royce Freeman. No, mm, I don't remember. No, that, that was pre. That was that, that would have been that was before long. us. Yeah. That was before us, yeah. All right, let's see here. We'll figure it out really quick. Colin's got nothing to do but time, and, and Colin's got nothing but time anyways. Yeah, no, nope, the last one that drafted even – was he really the last one drafted? Was Royce Freeman? Yeah, I don't know then. I really have no idea because I'm just looking at the running backs drafted in the NFL by Oregon, and his last one was Royce Freeman. It's not good. Not a good list. Uh, I don't remember liking anybody from there. Do you guys think that uh, Austin Novosad is going to be the next quarterback at Oregon? It ain't going to be tied. That feels like a transfer <laughs> destination. I feel like uh, Nate Marquis said it in our in our Slack chat. Um, Washington, Oregon, and Michigan all feel like they're going to be competing for like the same pool of transfer, transfer guys. Yeah, and those transfer guys are Malik Murphy. Who's going to Washington? I'm trying to will that into existence. Man, I would love that. I know. I, 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 I wouldn't. I'm, I'm too man, high on Austin that. Mack. That's almost like Michael Penix Jr. <laughs> I don't think I Austin Mack will be able to start next year, though, man. I think he's I mean, going to need two years. He doesn't have to because he should still be a senior in college. Yeah. So. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. Colin says he doesn't want he to might, but... go there because he wants Austin Mack to start. I don't. I think Austin Mack's going to need two years. So Malik, let Malik Murphy, I think Murphy is so similar to Michael Penix Jr. I would love to see that. With that dude with Kalen DeBoer. Who are the other transfer quarterbacks you guys think? Devin Brown, maybe. I think somebody's going to transfer Before from Ohio State, whether that's Devin Brown, Lincoln Kineholtz. Yeah. Oh, Kineholtz, I think for sure is gone. I don't think he beats out. Ty Simpson. Ty Simpson's going to end the transfer. Oh, God. Too. <laughs> no, let's not talk about I still like Ty Simpson. Simpson. I don't care yeah, what you guys So does everybody. He's been so wonderful. I mean, I <laughs> dropped him way down my rankings, but I still He'll be think the great next player. USF quarterback, and I'm sure he's going to put Wait, wait. I do hey, want to have this conversation. I know this is not on the show sheet, but if we had to put it up there, I think that that. Ty Simpson, Malik Murphy, yeah. Devin Brown. Yeah. They would be right there at the top as far as quarterbacks entering the transfer portal. Yeah. I know Devin, some... Dylan Gabriel has another year, and they might want to kick him gone. out the door. No, he'll, he'll be gone. gone. Yes, he does. De- Dylan gone. Gabriel has yeah. another year. Yeah, oh he'll be gone. God. There ain't no yeah. way with the way that Jackson Arnold looked, they don't. They don't yeah, that's him. what I'm saying. They may push him out the door. Um, yeah. Like, I don't really I'm... know anybody else, like, toward the, the, the top. Like, hold on. Anytime I need to think about something like this, I just Google college football teams. The one oh, that's okay. interesting okay. to me, I don't know that he would ever do it. Is like, well, no, he wouldn't land on one of those schools. I was thinking about Daquan Finn, but I don't think he goes to any of those schools. No, I don't think he would. He might transfer, but I don't think he ends up. At, yeah, I don't at think he ends up. That's like what I'm saying. Yeah, like yeah. an Oregon or anything like that. I don't know who else though. I mean, you've got. There's not a lot out there, honestly. Yeah. I'm scrolling through our, our rankings here. Taylor and, uh, Green. Taylor Green. Taylor Green is going to transfer. Yeah, he could. Potentially. Yeah, yeah I, I could see him transferring. I don't know if he ends up at any one of those. What about Preston Stone? They're going to the <sighs> Big 12, tough. aren't they? They – uh, no, where ACC. Are they going? ACC. Yeah. ACC and Rhett, he's like Rhett Lashley's guy. Like yeah, Rhett Lashley recruited true. him to SMU. Um, I don't know. I have a hard time seeing him leave. What about the Alabama duo from this year? Lonergan and. Um, I don't think either one matters. They like Lonergan. I think yeah. they like They, they kind of like Lonergan. I could see him going somewhere, maybe. 
What about Riley Leonard? Oh, Gunner Stock Riley Leonard, maybe Gunner Stockton will be gone. Gunner Stockton. That's a good one. Yeah, he's gone. Uh, I think uh, so. KJ Jefferson, I believe, has another year too. Yeah. So, well, Jacoby Criswell already transferred, but Malachi yeah. Singleton, you know, yeah. maybe I don't know. I mean, we just had a fresh. We had Thomas Castellano spent one year at UCF, and then went to Boston College. So maybe we have Malachi. I really like Malachi Singleton, by the way. One year at Arkansas, a transfer somewhere. He feels like the type of guy who transfers like a low end power five, and they just mm-hmm. like run him. Yep. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't still like Billy Edwards Jr. at Maryland. I'm on an island there by myself. What about oh, Matt? One of your one of your boys uh, at Michigan State is going to transfer. Yeah, uh, I only have uh, either yeah, Kate Bowser or, or Sam yeah. Levitt. Yeah, do we? Think yeah, but I don't think either one of those guys end up at like Oregon or Washington or anything like that. I'm looking for guys who are going to transfer up to like a school that matters, like one of those. I don't think either one of them ends up there. Do we think Aiden Childs I was just about no. to bring up Aiden Childs. I was going to be. I was I, thinking about him too. I don't. Think I. So. I don't know that he wouldn't, because I don't know that DJ's played good enough to come out this year. And then, or right now, Oregon State's not even in a conference. That's my thing. They're not in a conference, and he's like, too good to be a G five. Does quarterback. he take a shot to maybe go somewhere to be a Power Five guy? Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't. He's looked good when he's been out there. Yeah, he has. Yeah, well, I was gonna uh, say is I really hate that Sam Levitt didn't go to Washington because that's where all the rumors was that he was going man, Washington or Washington the, State. Malik Murphy to Washington. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pray that into existence right now. <laughs> that that's that's an excellent excellent fit. It is. I'm gonna all tweet right. it like I came up with the idea. Nobody's gonna. That's right. I'll go back to the Debbie debate episode and find where I said that. You weren't even on that show. That's why I said that because I didn't want you to. to Oh, you said that before. I I didn't hear that. I've said it on Debbie debate multiple times. Every time we talk about a player transferring, I'm like, Malik Murphy needs to go to Washington and be with Kalen DeBoer. That would be the perfect. That would be the perfect. Because he he and Michael Penix Jr.'s skill set are almost exact. Yeah. I mean, he's. Except Michael Penix Jr. is just left handed. And his knees are probably made of glass. A dust, yeah. Malik Murphy <laughs> doesn't have that that issue. His foot may be dust, but his knees aren't. Jalen Milrow. Jalen Milrow might transfer somewhere. He's well, Alabama's going to need somebody. Alabama's going to get somebody. What Why? about Michael Pratt? Do we think he comes out? Or does he transfer somewhere else this offseason? He has the fourth year right here, right? So he's no, got one more third. year? No, this no. Is, he's got one more year. He has yeah, he's, year. He's, he's played year. four, so he's got one more year, right? Mm-hmm. He's played three. This is his third year. He's a junior. I'm pretty sure we've been talking about Michael Pratt for only three years. I think he redshirted. I think he redshirted. No, he didn't. He played as a true freshman. He was standing he on his tippy toes freshman. in the pocket. Yeah. He had some of the worst mechanics I've ever seen for a quarterback. No, he's, he's played four years. He's played four years. This is 2020, 2021, 2022. This is 2023. That first year was team with Zayvon Collins. That was. Three but years, I still four years he, ago, he still has a year because he has the COVID year. If he wants to he use the it. COVID year, so yeah. he has a year. Michael Pratt is but I don't know why he would. He had the opportunity. Like all he the rumors where everybody was trying year. to get him this year, and he didn't want to go. Maybe if Tulane doesn't do anything, because I know what what his talk was that he believed in Willie Fritz, and they thought that they could do something this year. Maybe he tries to go up to a P five team next year. I think. I tell you where I'd like Michael Pratt, Texas. I ain't gonna take. But Quinn Ewers is coming yeah. back. It's, they're not going to do it. I I would love to see Michael Pratt's skill set with Steve Sarkeesian. I really, but they're not going to do it. So send him to Oregon. I think that'd be a great or Alabama. 
Alabama. I don't like Alabama's. I don't Neither want to see. No, yeah. I don't want to see a player that I want to send them to Ohio State. Right they were trying to Alabama. get somebody over Kyle McCord. Send them to Ohio State. We'll take it. Alabama. Feels like the New England Patriots in a certain respect right now, like the New England Patriots of college football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think Colin. they're. He tried to end this show twenty minutes ago. And yeah, he that's did. all right. He he did. I keep trying to figure what to like keep it going. No, that's all right. I could tell. Yeah, you guys are just like throwing out random topics, <laughs> just, just trying to drag to... this out. He's like, I just want to do my start sits and go to bed, and you guys are just me over me, me over here trying to keep this show on the track and what under about Tyler Van Dyke. No, I, 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 I think, think he either stays at Miami or he declares for the want to stay at Miami. Where where would Tyler Van Dyke? So he's from Connecticut. So there's like no natural, but a player like that, I mean, they're going to get offers from interest yeah. from everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I could could, could Ty, would Tyler Van Dyke start over Kyle McCord at Ohio State? No, <laughs> but he could go to Oregon. Kyle, Colin, do you think Kyle uh, that he would start over over Kyle McCord? That would be a fight. They're similar. They're similar yeah, style players. So like, I'll put it to you thing. this Tyler way: even if you arm. think Tyler Van Dyke is whatever percentage better than Kyle McCord. You guys have already told me a million times that Devin Brown is a hundred percent better than Kyle McCord yet. The, he didn't even get a starting job. You think he's going to go into the transfer portal, bring a dude in who has, does nothing about that system and just said, Hey, go get when, the tiger. When Kyle McCord, when Kyle McCord is like 21 for 35 against Michigan with 199 yards, one touchdown and two interceptions. I think Ryan day will be okay. Moving off to Devin Brown. Because he ain't gonna go to somebody else. No, I mean, I don't no, think he's gonna Devin, go. I mean, it's anybody in the transfer portal. Like, I think they're not gonna go to the transfer portal. I don't think so. They didn't even want to. They go already to tried to. They already tried. I thought they already tried to get your boy from North Carolina. That's come right. on now. Yes, they did. Thank deny you. that. That's Drake May though. <laughs> Tyler Van Dyke is not Drake May. Come on. <laughs> That's not even fair. I'm just saying. They not they even said they yeah okay. I'd have thrown Kyle McCord to the side for Drake May. I love you, Kyle. You ever see this? <laughs> it's Drake <laughs> May. That's all right. He doesn't. He doesn't listen to this show. No, but some his dad might. <laughs> his dad. His dad is not going to get this far into it, though. No, that's the thing. After after like twenty minutes ago, I was like, "All right, that's going to do it." No, and my luck. Someone will, someone will just clip it and post it on Twitter. I just have to deal with that later. And it won't even. They won't even put the "I love you" in there. It'll just. They'll no, clip yeah, it. They'll just, yeah. Straight, who's they? I'm the only person who cl- who posts clips on Twitter. <laughs> Trust me, so, I know. <laughs> Listen, I'm it's not even me. I don't know brand. how to do that. I'll be honest. I'm trying to get the most viral potential, you know, moments from the show, and that's what I put on Twitter. And I'm doing a damn good job of it. Now, Bat's feelings might get hurt. And be like, oh, Lord. well, you know, when I get attacked by everybody who's ever lived you know on what, Twitter, man, you that's know, part of the job. You get Getting attacked, attacked by a prominent CBS analyst. Yeah. Tells me I need to stop watching college football. I'm like, okay, sorry, Emery. That stuff, I don't, I don't know why that stuff bothers you. Guys. I want to be loved, Felix. That's why. You do. I want you really to do. be loved. You really do. I do. All right, we're having a therapy session in the middle of this. We are. Thanks a lot, guys. This has been Col- I keep seeing Colin like look at the clock and looking all over. Right. He's trying to figure out how to end plane. this. I'm trying to, I'm trying to Shador hit, Sanders it over here. Austin would have just, like, just hit and record already. Like, this is ridiculous. You guys are doing Colin too just much. held up a naked left hand with nothing on it. And he's going to pull <laughs> off the Shador Sanders. We're going to have to get you a Timex or something. I, I have on that. I have a I have a watch that I wear on on fancy occasions, but I'm not. I type a lot for my job. That's I'm like Sadur. That's not your money that you used 
to buy that watch. Like that's your daddy's money. I also love that you so, just you're like, oh, we gotta get you a Timex. Like you couldn't even get me something like a step a up, <laughs> like a G-Shock. What do you mean? What do you what do you need over there? Like what do you what, know, like what a, are we fos- doing? a fossil watch? Give me something. Hey, fossil. fossil. I love some fo- fossil watches. Yeah. Are nice. I like some fossil watches. <laughs> I have one. I have one. Look, we can't afford fossil <laughs> after what was put out earlier this week, right? We got to go with the. I'll, I'm going to get you one of those little, um, the Mickey Mouse like, ones. Yeah, that come in like the, <laughs> that come in the, the whatever, the like cereal boxes. I'm going to get you one of those. Get you a SpongeBob watch. How about that? We'll be good uh, to go. I can do SpongeBob. I remember. I remember. I'll send it when to you with made... your sweater. I still have to send that to you, by the way. Matthew, you remember when we did the, um, the national championship game where we all wore suits? Yes, like the I first do. year we did Devin debate, it yeah. looked like Matthew pulled out a suit from like his eighth grade graduation. <laughs> Probably that was. he had, that he had not worn in years. Own many suits, unfortunately. I'm not a lawyer. I don't go to work in a suit. So, hey, I, when I, I worked in a call work center, I had to wear a, a dressed shirt, tie, and slacks in a call really? center. Mm-hmm. It yeah, sucked. I don't work in a call center either, so I don't have to worry about that stuff. Well, I don't work there anymore. That's why, Felix, that's why I have PTSD with phone calls, by the way. I hate phone calls. I don't what, always. I, oh, I don't, you don't always, answer the phone. I don't I always you. ignore them. That's right. Uh, there are times where I'm like. Listen, like, I have I'm very serious out. business to talk to you about when I call you on the phone. I know. I, I've started all games. Around. I've started calling you back. I have. Look, no, you just do what I do. You did just the last ign- time I, I called you last week. Ignore yeah, the call. Back. Just let it let it go to voicemail and then text them back like an no, hour Oh, sorry, I was doing this, and he won't even respond. And then you'll be good to go because it'll be his fault. Just let this—that's the best way to handle it. The that's funny what, thing is, is my phone, I... my phone stays on do not disturb. So if I call you and you call me right back, it'll go straight to voicemail. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I've started leaving mine on that as well, so that people leave me the hell alone. So listen, I have anxiety for my last job about my phone ringing, so that's why I keep do not disturb on. That's there's fair. my therapy couch. That's fair. I, I don't come on, Colin. I dare disturbed. you to end the show. I yeah, dare, come on. I dare you to I dare you to land the plane. <laughs> got, it's already crashed. It's for, crashed. For Felix on on phone calls along with Colin. I just want to be loved by everybody. I think it's time. You know, we've we've gone through the therapy couch. Please respond to Matthew that you love him. Please do. Please. Uh, do. when you listen to this episode, you can say whatever you want to me. I don't give a shit, to be honest. That's so. a lie. We'll everybody see. tweet at Matt. Tell him that you love him. And I will say I stopped me. saying my phone number on Twitter and on podcast because somebody somebody posted my number on the equivalent of Canadian Craigslist and said that I had a, a PS5 to sell. So I had all of these text messages saying, hey, do you still have the PS5? I was like, you know what? I deserve this. And it, it went on for like, I don't know. It went on for like a month. And I had to block all these Canadian numbers. And then, and then I actually found the posting. I was like, you know what? <laughs> Touche. You, uh, you once asked me one of the for some dirt on Austin. Um, he played a prank on somebody in college. Where they posted their number online and said that they had puppies for sale. And people just kept calling all of their friend, his friend, like all the time, asking for it's puppies. Pretty it's pretty good. Pretty good. He does. He did say he regrets that one though. We need to get Austin's mom on the show. I've been trying to do that for like three years and have been unsuccessful. Do you want to tell that story? Do you want to tell that story about you about you, you getting me Austin's mom's phone number? And then I emailed her and she was like, Is this so real? Yeah. Yeah, she was 
She was a little a little skeptical. Dude, like, what, what is going on here? <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Nobody right. takes it seriously. Nobody. We gotta land this Nobody. plane. <laughs> we gotta land this plane. This is crashed and burned. Um, I will be back very, very shortly with some start sits uh for the week, although we will not be doing our competition uh with Austin out. But that is gonna do it for us here tonight. Thank you, as always, for be uh Matt and Felix for jumping on whenever I need somebody last minute. It is always entertaining to bring you guys on. Later, guys. All right, everybody. Thank you for bearing with the shenanigans earlier in the show. Uh, I am back here with a quick waiver wire segment, some quick start sits, and then we'll get you out of here. Uh, for the waiver wire segment, there's really only one player that I would be looking at if I was in limited waiver leagues and limited waiver leagues, um, 10 or fewer waiver pickups per year. That kind of is roughly like about one a week. Or um, honestly, there's a lot of them that have four or five waiver claims at any time. Uh, but if I'm in a waiver limited waiver league, I would be looking at Joey Hobart, the wide receiver for Texas state uh, in his last three games. He has nine, 12, and nine targets, uh, and he's been over 90 yards and a touchdown in each of those, uh, and that includes um, some some huge games mixed in there, honestly. Uh, like last week, he went eight for 132 and one. The week before that, 10 for 126 and one. Uh, he's really starting to heat up this Texas State passing attack. The sexy offense as a whole, but also the passing attack is definitely something we want a part of. And it looks like Joey Hobart's the number one wide receiver in this offense. So Joey Hobart is a guy that I would be looking to pick up, even in limited waiver leagues. Um, for unlimited waiver leagues, I got two names for you. Uh, the first one is Jalen Royals, wide receiver for Utah State. Uh, and we all know, you know, Terrell Vaughn has been good uh, pretty much all year, except for uh, the game two weeks ago where he, by, with UConn, where he was basically getting double teamed every game. But that's really helped to allow Jalen Royals to break out um, against UConn. And last week against Colorado State, um, he went seven for 185 and three against UConn and six for 140 and two last week against Colorado State. Uh, he has over seven targets in every single game except for uh, the first game of the year against Idaho State. Uh, but since then, he's been pretty involved in that passing attack. Seven touchdowns on the year, so he is scoring. Um, I would consider Royals if you're very desperate in limited waiver leagues. Uh, if your bye weeks are really killing you or you're really desperate for just one last piece, I would consider it. Uh, but you probably in limited waiver leagues have other names out there available that we had talked about previously. Um, guys like maybe some Eric McAllister, maybe still sticking around. Kevin Concepcion, um, the guy we highlighted earlier in the show, he, I know he's floating out there in some leagues as well. So that's another guy that maybe I would consider. Um, there's definitely some other options that we've highlighted that I would cho choose over Royals. But in an unlimited waiver league, Royals is definitely a fine pickup. Uh, the other unlimited waiver wire league name that I have on here is Jalen Moss, the freshman wide receiver for Fresno State. Now, uh, he's a guy that Matt talked about 
uh, as well as um, on the guys that we think could have a big second half of the season. And he's already started that breakout a little bit uh, this past week where he had 11 targets. They have nine catches for 115 yards and a touchdown. That was his second game uh, with 115 or more receiving yards. He had 120 yards against Kent State. Uh, he's had three games this year over nine targets. And in two of his last three games, he's gone over 100 yards. And he has led the team in targets in those two of the last three games. So he's becoming more and more of a part of this offense. Um, I would uh, probably prioritize Jalen Moss over Jalen Royals in most situations here as well. But uh, I would feel more comfortable with Jalen Royals, honestly, if I need immediate CFF production, um, if I'm just kind of looking for somebody to pick up for, for the future for C2C and gets a little bit of value here, that would be Jalen Moss for me. Uh, so that's why he's only in the unlimited waiver categories. Um, two guys real quick here for the watch list. Uh, the first one is Tyrus Washington, the tight end for Arkansas. Really saw First action of the season for the most part. First targets of the season. He uh, he had eight targets in this game, seven catches for 90 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, and with the freshman tight end uh, Luke Haas out for the year, Tyrus Washington seems to have stepped into that role vacated by Haas. Uh, Arkansas is really using the, the tight ends and the big pass catching options, Andrew Armstrong there included, in this offense. I probably wouldn't rush out to pick Tyrus Washington up now as this is his really only game of the year where he's done anything. Very impressive um, for sure. Um, but I, I would still want to give this one more week before I would go pick up Tyrus Washington, but definitely somebody to add to your watch list. And then the last guy I have here is Miles Cross, the wide receiver for Ohio. Um, he has kind of come on as of late. And, and I mean, really the last week, where he had 11 targets, seven catches, 125 yards, and two touchdowns. Um, but week one, he hit 12 targets. Um, so he is involved in this offense. The past couple of weeks before that, four targets, two targets, one target, uh, which is why I wouldn't add him to the uh, unlimited waiver pickups just yet. Uh, but Ohio is moving toward it, moving into their maxion part of the schedule. So this is an offense I do expect to start to pick up a little bit more. They've been pretty disappointing so far, uh, but I expect him to pick up a little bit here. And Miles Cross could be one of the beneficiaries here. Uh, and he's a guy that I would add to the watch list and see if they can do it again this week against NIU. Uh, into the start sits and with Austin out, we're not going to do the competition this week. Uh, we will be back with that next week, but I do have one uh, start and sit at each position for you guys. Well, except for tight ends, because nobody really cares about those. Uh, and then I have a bonus for you as well. Um, so we'll start with the starts like usual. And the quarterback I'd be looking to start this week, uh, non-obvious name for anybody who who's listening for the first time or may not be familiar. These starts and sits are non-obvious names. Um, guys that we are, uh, you know, some of these guys may even be on waivers. This first guy that I'm talking about here. Uh, and that's Cam Fancher, the quarterback for Marshall. Um, he goes up against Georgia State this week. Georgia State is a pass defense sieve. They allow uh, 300.6 pass yards per game, which is 127th in the country. 
Uh, Cam Fancher is also starting to heat up here a little bit. He has 25 and 32 fantasy points in his last two, uh, and he's been getting it done through the air and with his legs. Um, two weeks ago, he had 278 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick uh, with 102 rush yards on the ground. And then last week against NC State, who is a good defense, they they, they did well against a, uh, a potent Louisville offense. Um, he put up 315 yards, passing two touchdowns with an interception. He also had two rushing touchdowns on the ground. In a soft matchup like this, uh, Cam Fancher is somebody that I would be looking to start. Uh, running back I'd be looking to start this week would be Larry McCannon, the third running back for FAU. Uh, they get USF this week. Uh, Larry McCannon missed the Clemson game with the injury, but in the game prior and the game post, uh, he had 17 and 26 carries respectively, uh, and he's averaged four targets per game on the year. So he's getting involved in the passing game as well, starting to ramp up a little bit more on the ground. Seems like with that 26 carry game last week that they put that injury behind him. Now he gets USF this week and USF uh, got absolutely gashed by Jermaine Brown Jr. last week for UAB. And McCannon honestly plays a similar role. He's that kind of that running back that they also like to deploy in the passing game. Um, so I expect a pretty big game out of McCannon this week. USF allows 292.2 pass yards per game, which is 124th in the country, and 140.8 rush yards per game, which is 70th in the country. So they're not a very good defense all around. Uh, should provide a lot of opportunity for FAU, uh, but that offense is going to make you score with them, and FAU is going to have to score, and Larry McCannon should be involved in that. Uh, wide receiver I'd be looking at this week, uh, Eugene Wilson, wide receiver for Florida. Um, somebody that I highlighted earlier in the uh, show that is just somebody that I thought was going to have a big um, second half of the year. Uh, and I think that starts this week. They get South Carolina this week. Uh, last week, Eugene Wilson had 11 targets. Uh, he led the team in targets. He, had a, uh, he was very involved last week. He's the most dynamic player on that offense, I think, uh, especially with Travis Etienne being banged up. Uh, I would definitely say Eugene Wilson is the most explosive part of that offense without ETN. And even with ETN, I think it's close. Um, South Carolina's pass defense is just absolutely atrocious. Uh, 128th in the country in terms of pass yards allowed per game with 301.4. They're the 19th worst team in defensive pass EPA per play and seventh worst in defensive pass success rate, uh, which I probably should highlight that stuff all comes from our college team tool on the website. So that's something I use for a lot of my start sit decisions and look at my lineups. You know, if I'm between two guys, I'll go over to our college team tool. Uh, I'll pull up the metric table on there and I'll just highlight some of the, the key offensive and defensive stats like um, defensive rush EPA per play, defensive rush success rate, defensive uh, explo pass explosiveness, um, things like that. Uh, and then you sort of the season by 2023 and just kind of start looking around for which ones are these soft matchups. Um, that's something that's probably a little bit more applicable in coming up with the start sit dis, um, competition. But if you need to break a tie, it's a very good way to break a tie and see which of these defenses is not very efficient uh, from a metric standpoint. Uh, but with all of that said, South Carolina's terrible pass defense, uh, I would fire up Eugene Wilson this week. 
Uh, and as mentioned, I do have a bonus. Their bonus starts. Um, so I would be starting both of the Penn State running backs this week, Katron Allen and Nick Singleton. Uh, they play UMass this week. They are coming off of the bye as well. So everybody has a chance to rest up. Um, they, I would expect a very vanilla game plan this week, even more vanilla than the play calling has been so far throughout the year, which has been very bland for Penn State. Um, they get Ohio State next week. That would probably be the week that I would look at as the week where they'll really take the training wheels off and and let this offense kind of see what they can do because they're going to need to. But not this week. They're not going to want to tip their hand and show anything in this game against UMass. Uh, so I expect a lot of the ground game in this one. And UMass is terrible, terrible on the ground. 131st in rush yards allowed per game. They're the fourth worst in defensive rush success rate and sixth worst in defensive rush EPA per play. So both of these guys, I think, could have big days. So Katron Allen and Nick Singleton are both guys I would look to start this week. Into the sits, uh, I'll be looking to sit Michael Pratt, quarterback for Tulane, this week. They go up against Memphis. Uh, in the two games that Pratt has been back since injury, uh, 22.9 and 19.3 fantasy points, zero games over 200 yards passing. They haven't asked him to do much. Now they haven't had to, cause both of those have been blowouts. Um, but I, he just has not been as good this year as we kind of hoped he would be, especially from a fantasy perspective. And I think the injury probably plays a little bit of role into that. Um, uh, you know, he may be ramping back up, but this week they get Memphis. Uh, Memphis is a pretty solid defense. They're 46th in pass yards allowed per game with 210.8, but they're top 12 in both defensive pass EPA per play and defensive pass success rate. So in terms of like a metrics and efficiency standpoint, and not just a raw volume number, uh, they're very good in terms of pass defense and 210.8 pass yards per game. Uh, that would be slightly over Michael Pratt's uh, most recent performances. Uh, I would also be looking to sit Antonio Antario Brown running back for NIU. Look, I know he had that massive game last week, um, 280 yards, four touchdowns. He was definitely a consideration for us for player of the week. Uh, ultimately did not get that, but uh, he only, he did that with 13 carries. Um, he only had Antario Brown only has one other game this year over six fantasy points and that's uh 16.9 the other three games he was under six fantasy points there's one where he had two uh he they just have been rotating backs kind of like they have been before uh Antonio brown has been the lead back out of that group but they get ohio this week ohio is a stout defense they're seventh in the country in rush yards allowed per game, 10th in defensive rush success rate, first in defensive rush EPA per play. They're also a good pass defense. They do not allow a lot of points either. Uh, so I think this is probably going to be a fairly low scoring game. And I think Ohio's rush defense is going to be able to limit Ontario Brown. I'm not chasing the points from last week. And then the last sit that I have is Sam Wigless, wide receiver for Ohio. So the other side of that Ohio versus NIU matchup. Uh, I said to start Sam Wigless last week, and he needed that touchdown to get to 14 fantasy points. 
he only has one game this year over 20 fantasy points. He has three games under 15 fantasy points. And not only has he not been producing in terms of fantasy points, he also has not been the leading receiver on this team uh, the past couple of weeks. He was third on the team in receiving yards last week, fourth the week before that behind Sia Bangura. He just has not been as involved in this game plan as we were kind of hoping he would uh, with the way that he finished down the stretch last year. Uh, and NIU is a run funnel defense. Uh, their pass defense is pretty good. They're 13th in passing yards allowed per game, 17th in defensive rush or defensive pass success rate, and 30th in defensive pass EPA per play. Um, so I. I think this is, like I said before, I think this is going to be a low-scoring game, uh, but I, I would have a hard time trusting Sam Wigless in this one. All right, that's all the starts and sets that I have for you guys this week. Like I said, we're not doing the competition. We will be back with that next week. But if you have any trouble with your start sits, tweet at Jared uh, Palmgren at CFF Jared. They always do a start sit show on Wednesdays looking for some start sits. They will be having their start sit competition. Uh, so you can get them uh, to help you out with some of their start to start sit decisions. And then on the tailgate live on Saturday morning, as news is breaking, as you need to set your lineups, tune in to the tailgate on the YouTube, on our YouTube channel and fire away. Ask us start sits. We'll, we'll answer them live in the show. We also, you know, everybody on the show gives a starter sit, uh, at least one, but we're answering them live throughout the show constantly talking about any breaking news, any uh, injury updates and how that's going to affect some start sit decisions for you. So if you have any start sit questions, tune into the tailgate, ask us live. We'll make sure we get to them on air, but that is going to do it for me today. Uh, Austin and I will be back next week. But until next time, I'm Colin, and have a good one.